This is this season is the anti-conspiracy season. I'm putting I'm putting my foot down. Everything is as exactly as it seems. Oh, so. Jeff Fuel can melt steel beams. Yeah, it turns Everything out. Everything is canon. Yeah. We ran the tests. It's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. It's all oh, above board. Yeah. God. No one's lying to you about anything. Same thing, I don't get it. I wrap my hand in plastic to try to look through it. Maybelline eyes and girl is boy moves. I can take you far. This star thing, I don't get it. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we will take you over and talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young. I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, Nathan Harrison. Hello. Adam Boncher. You picked the feelsiest one <laughs> right off the bat. I'm just I sad do. now. I always do. Oh, and the feelsiest of all. Mr. Andrew McDonald. It's great to have the melodious intros back, I may say, David. Mm. Oh, thanks, mm. babe. It's been Appreciate a hard it. two episodes. It's been a hard fortnight. Uh, <laughs> if, if, I, if I'm known for anything, it's my amazing voice and my tactful swearing. <laughs> so let's <laughs> kick this <laughs> off. It's time to fucking do some fucking talking about fucking songs and shit. Fuck, where to begin? Oh, I know. Number 90. That's a good place to start. They're back. In town, they are the boys. <laughs> they are not Thin Lizzy, they are <laughs> Pearl Jam. Uh, at number 90, this is Pearl Jam with a song called Leaving Here. Leaving Here! Life was never good from here. Number 90 in the 1996 Hottest 100, and that was a song called Leaving Here. And if you're not familiar with this song, that is completely fine because <laughs> for whatever reason, Triple J listeners are massive Pearl Jam hipsters. They like the deep cuts. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's just like, we've talked about one famous Pearl Jam song, Better Man. Yeah. Everything else has kind of just been slightly under the surface. Yeah. And here we are fucking digging deep. <laughs> mm. And so to hand over the shovel and spade to Mr. Nathan Harrison, dig up, stupid. So this is a cover that was contributed to a charity compilation for an organization called Home Alive, which is a Seattle fundraising group raising money for women's self-defense classes in the wake of the rape and murder 
of Mia Zapata, who was the singer of the Gits, a Seattle band. Right. First up, super cool of Pearl Jam to contribute a track to that. Yeah, objectively good cause. Yeah. Also kind of really cool to see a big band that has sort of outgrown its city still contributing to a local cause. I think that's really nice as well. You can take the band yeah. out of the town, but you I can't mean, take the town out of the town. No one knows that Pearl Jam is from Seattle. <laughs> they hide it so well yeah. underneath all of that flannel. The song itself is a 1963 Motown song by Eddie Holland mm-hmm. called Leaving Here. It was also Motorhead's first single. Hey fellas, have you heard the news? Said the raven of the sound have been misused. Seeing it all in a dream last night. So I'm leaving this town because I don't feel right. Because I'm leaving, leaving here. Uh, which is their first oh, single is their first their debut seven inch single. This is like wow. Motorhead's first thing is a cover of this track. Okay, and so listening to this, I don't know whether it was a stylistic choice to maybe that you know the Pearl Jam cover is looking at the Motorhead version more than the Eddie Holland version, or if it's just the fact that as a rock band whatever they do to the song might be closer to Motorhead than it will be to Motown. I just kind of wish there was more Motown in this because I think it's it's a really nice kind of rough early Motown track and I want more of that in this song. Pearl Jam, obviously known very well for covers. They have a great practice and, and reputation yeah. for weaving really cool, interesting covers into their sets. Yeah. My favourite Pearl Jam cover is probably Bleed For Me by Dead Kennedys, one of my nice. favourite Dead Kennedy tracks. It'd probably be fucking up by Neil Young. Yeah, no. Nice. They do a fucking killer version <laughs> oh, of that. Do they know Neil Young? Do you know? Oh, look, <laughs> allegedly. I think this is a pretty good cover. Like, they're having fun, and that's a big part of it. I think Eddie's vocals are pretty good, especially the start of the verse, and I love the bridge where that gets into that call and response thing. He's got that kind of drawl that he has sometimes. He's letting that come through, and that's really cool as well. Just a quick welcome back party for Eddie as well, well yeah. considering that we had to deal with Stone last track. It's just kind of like, hey, man, welcome back. We missed you. We missed you. Don't ever leave again. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like it, for me, it's, it's a fun cover, and it's nice. I wish they did a bit more with it. I want to hear more Motown in it because, for me, that's the interesting part of doing this. Pearl Jam covering a Motorhead song, not interesting to me at all. To me, the version of this that I know is by The Who. Hey, fellas, have you heard the news? Yeah, the women in this town have been missed you. Yeah, I've seen it all in my dreams last night. A girl's leaving this town because she don't treat them right. Oh, take a train, take a train, bye-bye. Which came out like two sure. years after the original. Right. right. It's also got a big Who vibe. It sounds just super the, like, Who. It, the same sort of rhythms and melodies as my generation and exactly. stuff. Exactly. It's got yeah. that proto-garage rock vibe. Yeah. That power trio yeah, yeah, yeah. sound. That kind of rough edge of Motown is inextricably linked with garage rock, in my opinion. You know, mm. you look at you look at Royal Headache. Mm. 
that's just Motown songs with a bit of distortion. You know? <laughs> that's that's it. But I dig that. You know, I'm about that. So I appreciate the energy in this song. You know, and it it really does feel like a one take in the studio kind yeah. of deal. It probably has that kind of we're recording, shut up kind of vibe <laughs> to it. You know, that we were just saying. It is so weird that this kind of took off. Like I I don't know if this is a, a V for the B. But I, I, I kind of think <laughs> the yeah. way you, you talk about it being like a one take kind of thing that in an era where Pearl Jam is struggling to define themselves as a fan, I would jump on this. This is just a solid Pearl Jam cover of Pearl Jam doing things that they yeah. do well. Yeah, I think this is a top tune. I think I like it a lot more than you do. Yeah, cool. I, yeah, like I don't dislike it. Yeah. I just, you know, I just want to hear more Motown. But that's probably just the general thing. So. There's a lot of Motown out there. Well, there's hardly been any Motown in this countdown, Adam. So, like, has that like that classic or original R and B kind of style, like the interplay between the bass and the drums, and then apart from that, the guitar and the vocals serving as like bouncing points for the rhythm section. Like, it's too great. I think Pearl Jam know this is just a heaps fun thing to do, and I feel the fun. I got a lot of fucking pleasure out of this song. I hadn't heard this before, this particular cover, but this is some of the most fun I've had listening to Pearl Jam. I yeah, thought nice. this was an absolute tune. Yeah, okay. yeah, cool. I also pay what you were saying, Nathan, about the idea of this is a time of experimentation for Pearl Jam. And, like, the rock band getting back to basics, <laughs> it's kind of a bit of a weird one because sometimes it's really trite and cliche. It's but more I... what you were saying last time, Andrew, about, like, it's not really experimentation. <laughs> if you're like, let's just go back to two guitars and drums and bass. It's like, all right, guys. But drawing the link that, that uh, our good friend Mr. DJ White over here did between Motown and Garage Rock and then choosing that as a basis to go back to basics, I kind of pay. There's a lot of charm in that. Mm. Even if it's, you know, like the experimentation and flirtation that they had with Motown kind of stopped with a recording of this cover, I still think as an idea and as an image that lends itself a lot to this song. I will say, though, that I don't quite like this studio version of this particular cover. I think Pearl Jam covered this song really, really well, and I think there are a lot of elements in here that I really like, but something about it just feels too restrained in this particular version. I had that problem kind of listening to it initially, so I checked out some of the live stuff, and they resolved that completely. want a little bit more distortion i want a little bit faster a little bit rawer a little bit messier and just with a little bit more kind of pearl jam in there to me it's just kind of like all the elements are there but in this particular take i just don't think it comes across strongly enough it's that split between when people say i can't remember which music critic said this but there was he was hung up on saying like with pop music when people say they like songs what they really mean is they like performances like yeah, yeah. If that certainly comes across. Like, so often I'm not aware of that because, you know, like... Why would you be? It's of course. 21st century. Exactly. Yeah. But in this one, I did really become aware of that. I was like, man, I feel like there's... You had a better take in you. And maybe there was circumstances related to that where it just didn't quite get there. Maybe they're working with a the producer they don't normally work with. Maybe who knows? Also, man, the, the more you, especially a cover, the more you play it, the more things you find in it. And by the time they're playing it live after the take, sort of thing, that you know they maybe found more things to lean on. And, sure, I'm also know. just open to the idea that I think this song works phenomenally well as a live song. You could try and not have fun. While you play it live, I just don't think you'd succeed. And why would you? Why would you try to do that? <laughs> when you could just be going, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Those are way too good. Yeah. Oh, yes. I think life. everything about this song is 
like not necessarily what Pearl Jam does best because this doesn't sound like a typical Pearl Jam song, no. but it's clear the producers left the studio. Let's have some heaps fun jam. <laughs> yes, let's do this song. Yeah, it's, now uh, we can play the forbidden music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like Eddie, as if narratively, the Stone Cold Hot song was recorded and then there was this song. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know that is it, but like, and then they were like, the, "Man, I forgot how much fun it is to be in Pearl Jam." But that's what it feels like yeah. as a listener to the, this <laughs> countdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At number 89, this is Snout with Cromagnamon? Cromagnamon. Cromagnamico? Cromagnon Man, guys, come on. with Look, it's Cro-Magnon Man and he says it quite articulately <laughs> in the song but I think in the in the Adam, uh, tradition he's just of- doing what he can, man Stop <laughs> having does, a go He does what he can He does what he can No, but I'm just in favour of changing like it up a, a little bit Like a delivery man Yeah why, why can't he just be a delivery man and not a Cro-Magnon Yeah Delivery man I just Deliverman, think <laughs> Deliveryman From just... the guys who brought you Spoonman <laughs> And Betterman And just... Deliveryman I think this is just our thing when there's, a, when there's a man involved It just becomes you know. And there's always a man involved <laughs> <laughs> This is the hottest 100 after all Yeah Stop being so fucking problematic 1996 <laughs> If that is your real name So Snout <laughs> These guys uh, were an independent rock band formed in Melbourne in 1991, disbanded in 2002. They did okay. They were twice nominated for an ARIA, and they've gone on to do some very interesting things later on in their lives. There was a couple of other musical projects, notably the band Black Cab. Um, They also were uh, nominated for the AMP Award a little bit later on, the Australian Music Prize. Yes. There was a hip-hop-inspired release called Straight Out of M-Town, released Uh under the name DCP. But I, think, I always think of Snout, especially in relation to hip-hop. <laughs> Definitely. But I think the prize for who came off the best uh, after breaking up Snout would have to be Mr. Rob Wolf. Um, no, oh, sorry. Good no name. No, 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 no. No, no not Rob Wolf. Rob Wolf did okay. Bro- he, um, bro- brother of Dick, no doubt. Yeah. 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 He did all right. He moved to Queensland. He works for John Deere. Uh, he sells tractors. But he's not the guy I was thinking yeah. of. Sorry. The guy I was thinking of was Hugh Williams, who moved to California and is now vice president at Google. Whoa. <laughs> That's a Bullshit. change. Legit. Bull and oh, shit. Man. He does what he can. I looked <laughs> Yeah, I looked it up. He actually is there. He's a businessman yeah. now. Well, hey man, we're about to big up your song, so how about giving us a bump in the fucking Google rankings <laughs> when you look up Hot 100? Oi, bitch, we're the first thing that comes up. For Hot 100s and thousands. Not when you yeah, look up Hot yeah. 100, which is what I ideally want. <laughs> Sorry, Triple J. And here's a radio station that I guess feeds into the podcast sometimes. 
Nathan, while that song was playing, just kind of correctly said that Adam likes this song. Yeah, Adam Adam does like this song. I think, like... Please start referring to yourself in the third person. No, not... I want you to become The Rock. <laughs> I we we get... all want to become The Rock. <laughs> yeah, just, I'm trying, man. <laughs> Gym three days a week, like... <laughs> Adam thinks this is okay. Like, I think this fits in really nicely with the kind of quirky, kind of left of center, not taking themselves too seriously rock scene that we've talked about with your custards and your gurges and your tumbleweeds. I think there's a really strong correlation to the sound of tumbleweed with the with a really ultra fuzzy guitar going on there. Also with your ammonias, yeah, I yeah, think. 100%. This is classic left of field, but still middle of the road rock and roll. This is totally standard, but they just do it with... If I knew this song when it came out... I would be raving about it right now. I think this is heaps of fun. It's all in the charm. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is carried by the vocalist who just, the way he manages to affect his voice and the persona that he crafts, like even the stuff where like, he's just like, you know, the yes and the all rights and all those cliches, but it's done in such a weird self-aware way. He somehow manages to convey that self-awareness in what he's doing. And it just makes it far more easier to get behind and have some fun with because they're not insisting that you take them, you know, more seriously than they are. And, you know, that comes across in the lyrics as well. Like, I think even in the the song being Cro-Magnonman, like... There's a lot that, like, the whole premise of the song is you're a Neanderthal dude operating within modern society. Like, that's such a that's such a rock and roll kind of idea, but a humorous one. Mm. And I think they, they play with that really well. Also, excellent homo erectus joke. Going to put that out there. <laughs> In terms of... Are there any bad ones? Uh, not that I've discovered. <laughs> but in they terms can't of, like... They can't bullshit! <laughs> an anthropological boner joke. They surely had the best one of 96. This song's least. called Anthropological Boner Joke. One, two, three, four! Exactly. I, band. I think the, these, these guys, are just, when you were talking about the swagger of the song, and it's perfect to do that, because that's what carries it. Like, down-tune guitar is a delight. It's just heaps of fun. Sing-along yeah. chorus. These guys would open for the blues explosion, and I would, and I would <laughs> yeah. attend the opening act. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, who these sure. guys are. Yeah, I got down with this tune quite a lot. This is just fun, swaggery. Like, this, this is not going to win any points for originality. But that's it why it doesn't it's, need to. Like, yeah. it's because the whole thing is it's drawing upon, you know, rock tropes. Yeah. That's part of the thing. Like, and they do, they, they do it heads well. I got down with this. I'm very glad you did too. You know who else is a big fan of this? Former Greens leader Adam Bant. How he's, the fuck did you find that out? He's, he said it in a quote in 2010 on the campaign trail. He was asked what music he liked and he mentioned Snout. That, no, that sucks, Adam Bant. Oh, dude, <laughs> update your fucking references. <laughs> I kind of like that he picked a deep cut dude, there. No, oh, right. we, all, we all know Snout, right? Yeah. How do you do, oh. fellow kids? <laughs> 96 is practically 2010. <laughs> I love listening to 2 Double J. Him and Albo were just hanging out, fucking listening to Cannonball and shit. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Actually, Good last shit. time I bumped into Albo, I was wearing my Joy Division shirt, and he was like, nice shirt. And then I saw him wearing a... My, Television marquee moon shirt a week later. So. Oh, my nice boy! One, yeah. My nice boy! Elbow. Definitely best taste in Australian politics. Yeah, for sure. It's just so much fun. And I think the verses are even more fun than the chorus line. When you have a chorus, like a really sing-along chorus, like I'm a Cro-Magnum man, I do what I can. And that's not even the most engaging part of the song. That's good songwriting. Mm. Yeah. When yeah. the bit as, yeah. you know, at a live show nice. when you're engaged with the fun bit isn't even the best bit. Like that's a good song. No, it's the mm. part where he talks about shaving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really cool. If anybody here had known about Snap beforehand, it'd be David James Young. <laughs> Did you know about Snap beforehand? Vaguely. Oh, yes. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, they're just one of those kind of bands that are always on the bill, you know, like one of those kick off at eight thirty at the Annandale kind of bands, yeah, you know. Kick off at five thirty PM on ABC. Yeah, on, on the bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you in for this time? Oh. Snout. <laughs> yeah, You're that, nicked, mate. You're nicked. I've been, I've been doing what I can. Not good enough. <laughs> In, instead of like having walk on music, they all just run on stage at the same time, wielding bats and going, oi, 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 oi. Why the police didn't do that? I don't know. Oi, 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 in the B movie, side note. I, I know that because I saw one of the versions without any bees, but Sting was still in there. Oh, yeah. that's Look, that makes sense. If you wrote a movie about bees. 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 Yeah, bitch. Anyway, number 88, this is Frank Bennett. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing that back. No, uh, no, nah, nah, uh, this is cool. Um, meat and potatoes, garage rock, super fun, super easy to get into. It's as easy to get into this as it is to kind of like pick apart like the... like finer details it's just like oh the lyrics are dumb or the song's too simple or it's just like yeah but whatever who gives a shit just fucking nod your head yeah. like fucking get a beer it's 8 30 you know fucking, <laughs> we're in for a long night you and mine don't start till 10 30 so go with it man i'm not interested in anyone who like says the lyrics are dumb and it's too simple as negative points for this song like that's someone i fundamentally disagree with in terms of music i think if you're listening you are that person you're a cunt. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you with all my untactful swearing that I f***ing can. Go f*** yourself, you absolute f***ing piece of shit. Go f***ing die in a f***ing hole. I will f***ing find you and f***ing you absolute worthless piece of shit. David really likes this but, song. But I guess also just, I don't know, maybe just take it for what it is. Just a, just, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. just, just a rock song. Yeah. This is the fun rock song. It's just about the Cromagnumin. <laughs> Alright, rack off everybody, straight from the Heartbreak High soundtrack. This is The Hunting Party with Groovin at number 88. I didn't know that. True story. guys i just got back from pashing aid and nicodemu at the back of the fucking school sheds <laughs> man that's a deep cut right yeah. i am perplexed heartbreak yeah. high 
Yeah, I think I, I think as soon as Widget stopped being on, I just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always stuck. None of these guys can guy. transform into purple animals. I'm not interested in this. <laughs> That's how I view a lot of art, actually. Is this Widget? No, I don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> no. shouts out to Widget, man. Shouts to Widget. Widget the shouts out to the the plethora of environmentally aware cartoons of yeah. the, of shouts the to both Widget. Of the, of the they really saved us from climate change being an issue. <laughs> shouts to Captain Pay. Shouts to, to fucking it. Plasmo. You'll remember Plasmo, Got the claymation alien. Yeah. I mean, they weren't even about saving one planet. That was all the planets. All of them. Yeah. yeah. They were all about that. Plasmo's my fucking boy. Plasmo's, also, Plasmo's the um, old mate. Is he? Is Magic he? school bus. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Why has no one done a schoolboy Q mashup as schoolbus Q with the, oh, the magic, magic schoolboy? Yeah. Yeah. Magic... Nathan, this is your destiny. <laughs> All right. You might notice what, we're not boy talking Q's about yeah. the fucking. <laughs> yeah. It's odd that we have been talking about. You might notice groovy. we're talking about literally anything apart from the fucking hunting party. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to Pashing Aiden Nicodemo. <laughs> She'd still get it. Hey, like, oh, it's fuck a, me. It's a girl. <laughs> I thought Aiden Nicodemo was a dude. No, no, she's Aiden. like. She okay. was like one of the hottest people on Heartbreak High and then went on to be the MILF on Home and Away. Big swinging, man. It's it's odd that you don't have a, an Australian TV podcast, my friend, because yeah. your knowledge can't go to waste any further. <laughs> I actively have not muted your neighbours hashtagging. Hey! Oh, yeah. Oh, even, though I've, even though I haven't watched neighbours in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Is this something like, you do on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I like tweet neighbours. D is back, people. <laughs> watch out. <laughs> Yeah, I know about Neva's plotlines now. Yeah, so yeah. What is happening? Have, Why is D back? I have friends that don't know you that like your tweets about Neva. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Yeah. I had no idea you did this. I, dude, I, I fucking love Neighbors. Wow. Like, I was off it for ages, hey, but then I got, like, super back into it. <laughs> back on the not pipe. talking about yeah. the song. Oi, oi, this- let's not talk about the song. What's your favourite Neighbours character? It's got to be the Toad. Yeah. <laughs> the Toad! The Toad from the Weight Watchers ads. Hey! <laughs> The toad from Wind in the Willows. The toad from the Ferals TV. (laughs) There was no toad in the Ferals. There was, it was the owner of the TV station. Oh, wow, yeah. Thank you. Oi, oi, oi. Favourite Feral. What do you go? I go Raddus. Yeah, I go Raddus. Gotta be Raddus the Rat. (laughs) How great was that fucking meme where it compared like um, Raddus the Rat and Rat in a Hat from from Bananas in Pajamas? (laughs) (laughs) Me breaking down the bourgeoisie. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even pay the teddies to work at your. (laughs) 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 Definitely the superior rat of ABC Children's Television. It speaks volumes about this song that this is the discussion. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. Let's keep going. Paul Robinson would probably have to be my favourite, like, Australian TV villain. He's the perennial bad guy from Neighbours. Like, right. I think my favourite villain from Australian TV has got to be uh, the guy from <laughs> Liftoff who used to go, No running in the oh. foyer! Yeah, 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 great fucking um, Mark Mitchell. Mark yeah, Mitchell. Mark Mitchell, great. who also played uh, Mayor Gribble in yes. later seasons of Round the yep. Twist. yeah. Uh, also, my favourite villain also... would be anyone from A Current Affair. Actually, to tie all that in, uh, in liftoff, one of like the parents, I'm pretty sure, like either one of the parents or like one of the workers at that place was Alan Fletcher, aka Dr. Carl Kennedy from Neighbors. Dr. Carl, yeah, yeah. Dr. Carl, like the other Dr. Dr. Carl. Isn't that mm. fucking crazy yeah. that we have two very famous Dr. Carls? In well, Australia? that's why he made the great appearance. Like Do one, we, are, ob- are both what? of them very famous? Yeah, okay, like obviously. <laughs> All right, obviously. <laughs> actually, actually, this is funny. When Block Party came to Australia for the very first time, I think this would have been like 2005 or 2006. They had one. They were just like, "All right, we've got a couple of days off between like Splendor in the Grass and like your headlining show, at, like the Metro or whatever." 
we can do whatever you want, whatever you want to do. And they were just like, we want to go to Ramsey Street. <laughs> That's all we want to do. We oh want to go God. to Ramsey Street Beautiful. and we want to meet Carl Kennedy. And they fucking got to. And they were like, this is the best day of our lives. Anyway. Uh... You guys want to go that sometime? Like, I'm, if... not, I, I'm not in the culture <laughs> enough. It would be weird. I would just be like, oh, it's a cul-de-sac. Yeah. I, it's I, not I, just any cul-de-sac. That's Susan's house, and that's Toadie's house. Every house is someone's house. <laughs> it's time to talk about poverty because not all houses are someone's houses. But they're yeah. still they're still owned by people. They're that just owned true. by horrible they're people that own multiple bougies. empty houses. Yeah, yeah. I reckon the fucking rat in the hat is involved, man. Like I reckon he's just yeah. fucking trying to. He's be bought that. up a lot of property for sure. He's a fascist. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's definitely he's definitely all about negative you know, gearing. Negative gearing. Oh yeah. yeah. He's yeah. a negative gearer. Yeah. If ever I fucking saw one. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's just fucking looking over his investment properties like I'm a rat, I'm a rat, I'm a clever, clever rat. Oh my god, I fucking hate you. I fucking hate you. You nasty piece of shit. Oh god, damn it. I I'm never forgiving Rat in the Hat man for what he has done. <laughs> done to the teddies. Yeah, what he's done to the teddies. What he did to Cuddles Avenue. Can we remind them? Gentrified he- it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Used to be independent. One of the most iconic live venues shut down. Small yeah, bars yeah, yeah. disappeared. In favor Cuddles of Avenue mega malls. Yeah. It's like f- you, Rat in the Hat. F- you in your fucking mouth. I don't know what's going on anymore. So yeah, look. I think the moral of the story, though, like, really, what the core of what we've gotten to here is that neighbours should be there for one another. Because that, people, is when neighbours, good neighbours, <laughs> go beyond that. The relationship develops, and good neighbours become good friends. So, the hunting party. <laughs> um, this song. Groovin'. No. Nah. I've often wondered that in like the 21st century, the only kind of trip hop bands you know are Massive Attack and Porter's Head. And like, I think, where are all the mediocre and like middle of the road trip hop tunes? Ah, here's grooving. Because <laughs> this is so rote trip hop, it's it could be a parody of trip hop or like a style parody on a mid or like a late 90s Weird Al album because it's just, it's not offensive, but like it, it is offensively mediocre. So I changed my mind. It is offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a reason to love food. <laughs> that would be the Weird Al. Yeah. That would be yeah. the Weird Al song. Yeah. This yeah. is like... Or a raisin. Yeah. <laughs> this is the song that like devotees of like Blue Lions would make after like way too short a time of <laughs> examination of their abilities. Yeah, look, there's, yeah. there's a reason that we spent so long not talking yeah. about this yeah. track. It's... I was really excited when I... When I thought about it being oh cool he's like this australian trip-hop track it's gonna be like this unknown gem it's in the it's in the countdown must be pretty good i don't like songs that like tell me what not not in the sense that like you know early motown because it's great it, you know it's all about the <laughs> dance that you're going to be doing during the song yeah. like that's fine but when the song is like everyone's gonna be grooving grooving come on everyone groove yeah. <laughs> it's like don't also um, twice as good as the last time, twice as good as the time before. That implies that the previous two times were the same amount yes. of good. I also did the math. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not. What makes you think that this time is going to be different, Hunting yeah. Party? Because we're down by the water? It just reminds me Were you not of- down by the water before? Does, does being by the water increase it twofold? No. When you're grooving? It, th- this Mathematics reminds me of grooving. being at uni in Wollongong, and there were always people that every month would big up going down to North Beach on full moon night for fire twirling and djembes and tell me that I should really come. And every month 
I had to fight very hard to not tell them that to I could not think it. of anything worse. <laughs> but that's that's what this song is, I think. It's, it's just bad. I wanted to like it, but there, there just go. wasn't anything to like. Not Done. a goddamn thing. All right, so. dude, you ready for this one, man? Uh, ready as I'll ever be. It's just like your grace. <laughs> you got any good drowning jokes? Mm. Well, uh, this one's drugs. Some, so this is Phoenix just jokes. Drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you on the drug? You're making the jokes. For, I'd like. <laughs> <laughs> that was way meaner than anything I could have thought of. Hard way quicker fast. too. I'm on the drug. His feels, they don't create a weakness in him. <laughs> All right, at number 87, this is R.E.M. and Patti Smith. This song is called Evo the Letter. I look up when you see all of you and all of me fussing stars. Some of them they surprise. The bus driver went to write this 4 a.m. This letter. The fields of poppies, little pearls. All the boys and all the girls, sweet tooth, each and every one a little scary. I said your name. I wore it like a batch of teenage film stars, hash bars, cherry mash, and tinfoil tiaras. Dreaming of Maria Callas, wherever she is. It's faint then, I don't get it. I wrap my hand in plastic to try to look through it. Maybelline eyes, a girl's boy moves. Can take you far. The star thing, I don't get it. R.E.M. and Patti Smith and at number 87 in the 1996 Hottest 100. That is a song called Ebo the Letter. As is well documented on this podcast, R.E.M. are my favourite band of all time. I remember very vividly being about 14, maybe 15, and uh, seeing Mr. Michael Stipe, uh, lead singer of R.E.M., get a very, very in-depth interview on the dearly, dearly missed Enough Rope with Andrew Denton. Absolutely one of my favourite interviews that he ever ever did because it really delves into his inner psyche and I guess what made him want to perform and I guess his like he'd always been kind of quiet and secretive about his personal life and his family life and stuff like that so to kind of get an insight into that you know like one of my heroes interviewing one of my other heroes you know it was a cool 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 experience at one point he brings up this very very seminal moment in the uh, coming of age of of one M Stipe, in which he sits down with Bowler Cherries and listens to Horses by Patti Smith in its entirety over and over and over again, and it's kind of like a, a seminal moment for him where he's like properly discovering music and like developing a passion for it. They actually like brought out the cherries and brought out a copy of Horses. Gimmicky as hell, but like, like I just love the thoughtfulness of like going to that detail and like you know getting him to like kind of relive that memory. So for him to go from being a teenager sitting there on his own listening to Horses like on vinyl with her headphones and everything, just 
allow him through a bowl of cherries to actually getting to work with one of his heroes. Like, I think that shows not only the full circle ascent of R.E.M., but the kind of belief that anything that you put your mind to, there, there is there is an end game to it. You know, as trite and as conceived as that might be, like to go from like idolizing someone as a teenager to getting to work with them one on one, like that is such a huge development. And I think it is a testament to, I guess, the impact and the influence that REM had that they were able to to wrangle this together. And they managed to make it work so, so well. Patty Smith offsets that vaguely spoken word, Sprecher Gang poetry style that Michael is performing in and adds kind of a further emotional weight to it. You know, it's, it's a very, very simple vocal cameo, but it works so, so well. And it, and it actually came full circle again uh, on the last album that R.E.M. ever made. Uh, the album Collapse Into Now, which came out in 2011. The very, very last song on their very, very last album is a song called Blue, and it features Patti Smith. And it is done nice. in the exact same style. It's a slow, really beautiful song that uh, features a lot of Michael Stipe's spoken word that is then offset slash complemented by having Patti Smith come in and sing some lines. I just love the dynamics of this song. You've got Bill Barry, who is like one of the great, great alternative rock drummers. You think of like, it's the end of the world as we know it. Like he is a big, not a flashy drummer, but an effective, like loud, tight drummer. So to get him to kind of reel it in and to kind of go with that sort of thing, uh, to bring in like the bowed double bass and literally the Ebo, um, mm. Uh, the titular Ebo, which is how do how to explain it? I I don't know. It's a, it's a small device that you hold in your hand that creates vibrations that you hold. Yeah, what not you, against yeah. the strings, but above the strings. Yeah, of the yeah, guitar yeah. And like the closer notes. it gets, is it is it like the closer it gets, like the louder it gets, or like uh, the more vibrations. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, so, and this it, is what's being the the sound that's being made in the actual song as well. Yeah, yeah. Effectively, yeah. it's like an electronic version of a violin bow that you can use for a guitar to create a really rich like sustained vibrating sustained sound i just think this is a really beautiful song that really showcases what rem are capable of when they're not doing you know big swinging rock songs or even just big swinging pop songs you know like you're losing my religions and stuff like that like even even this has a different tact to everybody hurts you know, just because that had the 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 ticking like drum machine going through the whole thing, and the and even the bombast of the strings. Whereas this mm. is a a very insular and very in group kind of dynamic. You know that that Patty is just kind of looking in over. You know, just the the core four of them sitting on a chair and just smoking and watching REM and just Michael just trying to keep it together in front of his fucking hero. That's the way that I envision this song. I've talked extensively about <laughs> R.E.M. in the past. I will continue to do so uh, in the not-too-distant future. Any takers? Anyone that would like to kick off, Buncher? So this song, I think um, the story behind it is fairly important in that apparently it's based around a letter that Michael Stipe wrote uh, whilst on a bus one night yeah. um, to... River Phoenix. To, he was worried about him. Yeah, he was worried about him. And it was basically a letter that said, hey man, you got to give up the drugs. And so that's kind of forms the basis of this song, which I think is amazing. Like even in that, even in that story, you know, the images that you get, a bus, the deep of night, 
Moonlight. I think all those images feed into the sounds of the song really immaculately well. And also just like the way Stipe delivers, you know, it's 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 such a I don't care whatever. It's it's mm. melancholy hopelessness, but you can tell that that's from a point of view of like grief and not being able to kind of deal with it. The image that I kind of get, which kind of came to me when I was listening to the song, was like, you know, the Bob Dylan clip where he's got the, the cards and he's flipping mm. through. Subterranean homesick blues. Yeah. Flipping yeah. through. Widely regarded as like the first conceptual music video. Mm. Yeah. It's that, except Michael Stipe's just throwing the cards over his shoulder. Mm. He's walking yeah, and just yeah. throwing them one by one over his shoulder. He's throwing the words away because it's just kind of like... It's words and words and words and words amounting to nothing really in, in terms of this song. And I was just when you were talking about the fact that Patty Smith was his hero, I think Patty Smith being on the song is also hugely evocative because like she's such a symbol for like youthful rebellion in a way. Like, yeah. you know, like mm. it's in horses and whatever, you know, like um I mean like Stipe's use of the of this of the almost spoken word poetry, I think, is a reference back to Patty Smith in the first place. It's really interesting to see them almost switch roles in terms mm-hmm. of what they're doing in the song. But also like in the context of talking about what is essentially youth and fame and the tragedy of that. Um, to have Patty Smith be the one to deliver a line in that, I just think it's, it says something really nicely. But also even like the fact that they have that relationship and it's like, cool, Michael Stipe reached the point in his career where he was able to realize his dreams, yeah. which further highlights and undercuts the tragedy of another artist who didn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, just yeah, I, beautiful stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, having Patty Smith on the song, like even like reading a song title that says features Patty Smith, that's got a huge amount of weight behind it. She's yeah, one, like the punk poet. Like she's like deserving of every accolade she's received. She's mm-hmm. a spectacularly phenomenal artist. And, like, I've known about this song. I've known this song for a number of years. I'm like, I'm not like, I'm not deeply familiar with REM. I have a couple of best ofs and I really like them. But this yeah. song I've just had a really deep love for, for a really long time. It's, achingly beautiful even external to the uh like the story is very important i do Mm. agree and it gives another layer of meaning to the song but even without it it's just such a achingly beautiful sad piece of melancholy songwriting it's so like it reminds me a little of um the first two nick drake albums oh sure yeah yeah, like brighter later style yeah drake like it's real like just lonely and sad and like reaching out for some connection Stipe sounds fucking pitiable in this. He's just awful sounding. Like he's just a miserable sounding human being. Yeah. And like Patty sets it off so fucking well as like just there's this line in the second verse which I I did when he says smoke it, drink, here comes the flood, anything to thin the blood, these corrosives do their magic slowly and sweet. And like that is Good God. All time beauty. Like Yeah. Like like it speaks to anybody, whether or not like you are somebody who knows the quote-unquote pleasure of numbing your unhappiness with drugs like whether you know about that or not that that lyric is just so it can speak for anything any numbing action you take in your life to escape the like the pain of unhappiness is just so encapsulated in that it's just a beautiful beautiful fucking song this is yeah i have so much fucking adoration for this song this is one of this is this is one of the most special songs i think we'll talk about for a very very long time this is a remarkable piece of songwriting i agree and i think as well it's such a it's such a private song i really Mm. think that stipe and smith's voice sound like they're in your head like it's a letter it's something to experience as yourself and it's not it's not it doesn't feel like a public song that i want to share I can't imagine, even at a concert, like, I don't want to hear that in a crowd. Like, this is a song that needs mm. to live in my head. 
Actually, um, something uh, just not, not that to I assumed that it would be bad. Um, life. But um, they have done this live a few times, and uh, they actually brought in uh, Hottest One Hundred alum to uh, sing Patty Smith's parts. Tom York. Thomas. York. Oh yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Some some great bootlegs of that, and also yeah, I, I'm getting Tom York to sing uh, Karma Police with REM as well, mm. which is which is pretty cool. Hearing REM cover Karma Police with Tom York, it's such a weird experience. <laughs> And so, yeah, and like you're saying, Stipe's lyrics are just amazing. And I think the sort of Patti Smith, Bob Dylan-esque falling off the line delivery of them is just, it makes them so evocative because you can't really follow a narrative thread in the verses. You just sort of end up snatching out phrases and, and little turn of phrases and stuff that, that just stick with you. It feels mm. like they're just hanging in the air for you to grab at. And it's just, in terms of, you know, Patti Smith being one of Michael Stipe's heroes and getting to work with her or whatever, like, yeah, but also a lot of songs with big feature artists feel like the song is reaching up. I don't think this song's reaching up at all. I think no, yeah. Patti Smith is just as lucky to do this song as R.E.M. to have Patti Smith do the song with them. Yes, yeah. it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're like, oh my God, can you believe that yeah. Stipe got Patti Smith for this song? It's no. like, of course they were going to work together on this song. They yeah. were meant to write this song together. Yeah. yeah. All time. This is All a, time. Yeah, All time. Yeah. The particular kind of melancholy that like R.E.M. do, and that's why I go to them. I, they they have a unique brand of it, and it's definitely present here. It's so good. I'm glad you guys got into it as well. Oh, for sure, man. All right, time to assume Buffalo stances, people. At number 86, it's Nina Cherry with Woman. Woman. You know, I woman. I gotta be woman. I got the feeling of love. Number 86 in the 1996 Hottest 100 with a song called Glory, but sorry, Woman. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's throw over to our copyright lawyer, <laughs> Mr. Adam Buncher. Well, you've addressed the elephant in the room loudly and proudly. <gasps> really? Yeah. yeah I, I, I have a name. Wow, all right. I, I have 100... a name, you know. <laughs> hey, fam. <laughs> 
I'm going to put that aside for just one second, just to point out uh, this a weird bit of synchronicity Great that we have. Album. That previously we've talked about Nina Cherry teaming up with Michael Stipe on Sex a single track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sex and School, baby. <laughs> yeah, they baby. ain't teaching it. Now we've had Michael Stipe and Nina Cherry just straight after. Yeah. Mm. So nice. ships in the night. Mac, you think? I do, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he, really, he really does. Mac, you think. Uh, therefore, Mac, you am. <laughs> but yeah, the glory box thing. It's it's literally one cord off glory box. It's it's got it's I mean it's just there. No. Do you not hear it? I, I hear it. I don't I don't fixate on that in the slightest. I, I don't fix it. I think this is similar I, I to Glory Box in that every rock song is similar to every rock song. Like, it, it, no, I no, 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 I literally no could way, not think way, of anything else. No, right. yeah, same with me. I started. But I mean, have you not heard the song before? No, I hadn't heard this song before. No. Huh? Nor okay, well, maybe that's part of it because I, in all honesty, I probably knew this song before I knew Glory Box. But right. Um, huh. Okay. No, like as soon as so I heard it, I just went, "You're yeah, like, kidding." Or maybe me. not. I don't know. Just to make a case for it, you know, just to show my working or whatever. You like the the strings, the lofi, uh, the 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 drum beat. I think is similar. The descending bass line, the chord and progression, the chord progression, and even the fact that like it's an anthem of female empowerment, like. How many more things do you need to kind of line up? So I think I, that I, okay. I, I, the way I hear this, particularly as we just spoke about <laughs> in depth, spoke about grooving, um, <laughs> like this rings more like an overlooked gem of the original trip hop era to me. I think Nina's voice is wonderful, and the lyrics about like like any li- song with like pro feminist lyrics gets an extra check in my book. I don't think it's anything super remarkably original in a post glory box world, but it solidifies that. Trip hop existed beyond just a handful of remembered artists, and this is a very, very good song. The fact that it sounds super similar to Glory Box isn't like a strike against it in the way that we will later talk about. Uh, Are you going to be my girl? Is a <laughs> ripoff of Lust for Life but... really soon? Yeah. You like that shit? Icky stole it off me. Yeah. So I, I think like you know, you're talking about descending bass lines, strings, everything. Like that's just I don't think they are like the cornerstones of of trip hop i think they're elements that both of those songs are drawing on in terms of like a jazz lineage in terms of soul like i get that they sound a bit similar but for you guys to jump to that first i'm taken aback sure i know i was your your face is aghast it really it's a bit aghast (laughs) but there are some other things that i want to bring into this as well like because it's female empowerment i'm like you kid like that all i'm saying with that is that the lyrics are also of a similar theme a bit (laughs) Like, well, but Por- Portishead, Portishead is all about a connection to another person. This is a song that is a response to James Brown's It's a Man's 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 World. Okay. And talking about the place of women in society. Like, they're comp- like this is such a beautiful Nina Cherry's song. manager over here. <laughs> I mean, that's me breaking it down and saying, like, if I had to pick why this reminded me of Glory Box, this is what I would say. These are the elements yeah. that I would yeah, say sure. as a listener. Read this is why all it of it. Me. All it- of it. Wow. Okay. Uh, but, and, and it's like, and the primary reaction I had as listener was, wow, this is super similar to Glory Box. Well, I feel was- sorry for mine you. Was, this is Glory Box. <laughs> I like, feel they- extra sorry for you, All right, Dave. all right. Getting back, getting back to this, though, I want to bring back... The an, an interesting point in relation to this whole thing is that on Tricky's album, there is literally a song that has the same use of Glory Box. Mm. The music of Glory Box uh, done with um, Topley, Topley Bird. Martina Topley Bird. Topley Bird. Tina Topley, yep, 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 yep. Also Massive Attack. Alarm. So it's possible that this is kind of just a standard that's being thrown around at this point in time. And that's okay. 
I'm all right with that. It's just that, like, it's not the exact same music. It's just really kind of similar to my ear. And I don't, I don't know, like, I, I think that's just, it's just a thing that is itself. I don't count that as either a positive or a negative. But to say that it doesn't have an impact in how I come to this song, listen to this song and relate to this song, well, it, it, it does. Like, sure. It, it, is, it is a major point of that. So I still think it's a great song, though. I think it's okay. Well, like, yeah, it that's true. It it's good. It I think it's good. I think it's a good no, song. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't really do a whole heap for me, to be honest. I think her voice sounds really nice. Um, I think I think the production is really cool. The music sounds good, but it's just it doesn't really just. Yeah. Do, do we talk about Nina Cherry me. later, or is this the end of it? I think that might, that's probably it. Well, then they quickly Wait, get a quick plug-in that- for a great Nina Cherry record that I really recommend uh, called uh, Cherry Thing. Gene, baby, Gene. Came out oh. in like 2002, I think, or something. Oh, yeah, and then she it's, did make a record for like 15 years or yeah. something. Hey. It's uh, an well, album that she did with experimental jazz group The Thing. It's called Cherry Thing. I recommend it like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. It's a great yeah. piece of record. Also nice, uh, uh, you know, Link, you were talking about, you know, R.E.M., Nina Cherry, yeah. back to back. Also, the Cherry story for the last I song. I thought that as well, like, yeah. This is, this is nice. Yeah. It's pretty what? cool. Jeez, if we were still doing conspiracies this but, season. There's no, no such thing. Uh, no, no such thing. No no one's lying to you. No, there's exactly. No more paintball. I think I think this song has gorgeous production it's yeah it's it's like doing trip hop in the same way that en- anyone else is doing trip hop at this point i love the tone of the bass i think the guitar really helps ground it in a jazz and soul vibe i think her vocal performance is just like a masterclass in soulful singing there's so many shades to it there's such power on top of such gorgeous tenderness and fragility i think this is amazing and i think you're an idiot okay for, <laughs> for getting caught up in it sounding stylistically similar to another song that no, is no, in the no, same genre. So I think you're overlooking the similarities. It's exactly the same. No. Exactly the same. No. We have a one-eyed fan and a one-eyed... One-eyed, one-horned, monster. flying purple people eater. That's Yeah, that's what we... One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. That's me. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest Man Hundreds and Thousands. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to FBR Radio for having us. Before we get out of here, we're picking our favourites and our least favourites. Uh, I'm going to kick off with uh, my favourite, which is, surprise, surprise, Ebo the Letter. And uh, my least favourite song would be, well, if we did talk about any boring songs, then, you know, I, 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 would, I would bring them up. But uh, Would you say that your least favourite children's character is Rat in the Hat? Yeah, fuck you, Rat in the Hat. Fuck you, you piece of shit. Fucking come at me, you can't. I'll fucking ruin you. I'll fucking come to your family in the fucking sewer. Fucking, I'll stick my fucking tactful fucking swearing down your fucking throat. Cunt. Obviously, the best song was "In the Letter," and obviously, the worst song was "Grooving." Yeah, obviously. obviously. Well, that's about it from us, y'all. But uh, if you want to continue the conversation, uh, if you want to keep this shit going, hit us up, man. Like, go over to Facebook, man. Just search "Hottest One Hundreds and Thousands." We're always there. We're we're awaiting your calls. If you have anything like more in depth that you uh, you want to get off your chest, uh, if you want to say something to my face, maybe about tactful swearing, uh, you can do that over at uh, hottest one hundreds and thousands at gmail dot com. Uh, but if you do want to send me abuse uh, in one hundred and forty characters or less, then you can also do that because we are on Twitter. At our hottest 100s. Also, g- if you just generally like what we're doing, get on iTunes. Give oh, us yeah, a rate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us for a sure, subscribe. Sure, that stuff sure. really helps us out. On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. Cheers. 
And on behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. Good night. My name is David James Young. Please, 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 please keep music evil. And we will see you next time. Everybody needs good neighbors, just a friend.